0: Hello and welcome to the MHG podcast. Once again, I am your host, Bradley, and joining me this week, I think from the last time from the UK, because he ate some French toast last week, and that was enough grounds for Pretty Fatale to deport him. It's Stu. How are you doing,
1: Stu? Je suis okay. Yeah, <laughs> not too bad. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to the French life. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you want to go down the politics route already? It's so early on, and we no. can do. No, uh, <laughs>
0: Sort of it's just it's, the government's even more corrupt. We're selling off Channel Four. Um, that can't happen. That that's got someone's got to stop that. Yeah, please. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I think it's already caused more of a stir than they thought it would. Yes, uh, which is great. So yeah. fingers crossed that gets nixed pretty quickly. I mean,
0: I'm all for less Rosie Jones on TV, but not like this.
1: No
0: either. <laughs> yeah, um, We see, we have this debate, we, we, like me and, uh, no, we don't think she's funny, um, as a comedian, uh, and obviously you get, when you say something like, oh, Rosie Jones is just not funny, I'd, 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 I'd God, Does she have to be on my TV screen again, I feel the same about like Jimmy Carr and other comedians like that, but people sort of go, oh, you can't say that, because she's got cerebral palsy, and I don't care that she's got cerebral palsy, she's just not funny.
1: Well, exactly. Yeah, you've got to be able to separate the criticisms, haven't you?
0: Yeah. I'm not going, oh my God, there's a disabled on TV again. That don't bother me. We just don't find her funny. But yeah, it's, yeah, but um, I I don't want Channel 4 to go. It's honestly, that's not what I wanted. I just wanted less Rosie Jones. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, I've not actually seen her any of her stand up or any of her comedy at all. So, I'm probably quite lucky, then, based on what you're saying. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah,
0: some people like her, uh, which is fine, but, you know, some people think Jimmy Carr's offensive, whereas I think he's quite tame.
1: Yeah. I mean, Some people think he's okay to have got away with massive tax fraud, but I'm not one of them.
0: I mean, eight out of ten cats does count down. I mean, that's just full of the best people, isn't it? Jimmy Carr, you know, (laughs) xenophobic, whatever, Rachel Riley... Uh, they're mixed with the lovely Susie Dead. so I I don't know. It's a it's a weird, it's a weird mix channel for. Them. They yeah. they do give everyone the voice in the right way. You, you haven't got to agree with everything they put on, uh, but it's still the best channel on I think any country's television in terms of fairness.
1: Yeah, well, probably. Yeah, they should. Be, that program should be now that Sean Locks sadly died. It should be eight out of ten. Twat. I think it's probably more appropriate.
0: Yeah, that's, good. that's a good one, actually, because you get a couple now and again who are fine. They've had a boxing on now and again. There you go. And he, he's brilliant.
1: 20% success uh-huh. rate. Great.
0: Yeah. Do you know what else has a 20% success rate? What's that? Good video games.
1: That's probably about right.
0: That worked as well. That worked this week. Not that bad. That worked too bad. Yeah. Well, Not, my right. Not my best. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, what have you been playing, Joe?
1: Well, first up... I finally got round to playing Scarlet Nexus, which obviously I downloaded for, well, with Game Pass, a few weeks, if not months ago now, and then, you know, didn't touch it. And I think I did touch it, but there were two things putting me off. One less than the other. One was that it didn't support ultra-wide, which was a bit annoying more than stopping me, you know, playing it, really. Not for free, especially, in quotes. Uh, but the main thing was that the intro is one of those like the the sort of manual the kind of introduction to how to play is a bit ga- is a bit gack it's a bit rubbish yeah. it, it kind of it's one of those that I, it's kind of like it goes right so you run up and you press A to hit like, ah, Okay, As i was like and then you press this in combination with it and it'll do this and you go okay and then like The next thing is like, oh, you remember that you did this and this? Well, now you can do this. Or you can do this as well. And you're like, uh, well, okay. I probably need to put the others into practice a bit more before I learn that. And then it's like the next set of encounters that are part of the tutorial is like, oh, you know that you can do all these things. You can also do this, but... You have to swap to this to do that, and it's like you go, oh yeah, no, I'm not getting this at all. Uh, and oh, it, it's the
0: fighting game equivalent of press A to kick. Now this is how you do this super combo. Yeah,
1: exactly, forty yeah. hit combo. This is how you do it, and it's like, and it does do that. It does go like, oh, and if you know how to do, it, yeah, if you use this, 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 and this together, it'll, yeah. Forty-hit combo. Also, in the future, you'll be getting this ability, and you'll be able to link that in. And you're like, why? Why are you telling me about stuff that isn't appearing until later in the game? And it's 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 stupid because then like if you if you if you then go away after the tutorial, which is like, you know, half an hour or whatever you're not going to remember it unless you've put an additional half an hour in. Now, these things will sound stupid to anyone who's time-rich, but, you know, if you're like me and you haven't got a lot of time and an hour is, like, pretty much the max you're going to be playing in any one session, then you kind of need some time, you know, to to bed these things in so that it clicks. But, anyway, it's it's a fairly minor thing, really. It's just, you know, modern life is rubbish kind of thing. Anyway, what it, the irony is that once you're into it, once you get in the buttons are actually really quite easy to remember they actually overcomplicated the instructions because it's actually pretty not simple but you know it's memorable and it's well laid out so the game itself is a little bit like astral chain so you're part of a special task force the supernatural is crossed over into it into the real world and everyone just sort of takes it as normal but there's great big alerts and alarms and special task forces have to go out kind of like a much, much, much more serious and anime Ghostbusters anyway, so the gameplay is like an action RPG so you're running around and hitting stuff but you also have XP, skill trees you have to use items, you know, all that kind of caper I'm not going to go on about that much. It's, it's really, really good. It's for me, for what I've played so far, better than Astral Chain. It might just be personal taste, but the main thing I want to talk about is is the graphics, which are absolutely phenomenal. I love them, and they're not even like they're not particularly high end. They're not really hard to produce. I'm going to. I really reckon it will run on the Steam Deck at 60 frames a second. Absolutely no bother because. My PC, I can just run it with absolutely everything maxed out and doesn't even break a sweat. So it's really well optimized, but it, it looks like, as I said, with Sable, it looks like Mobius's artwork. So incredibly dense level of detail with lots of heavy outlined pencil lines to really distinguish things and it just looks fantastic for me and it's just a joy to play from that because it's got like your typical Tokyo neon light on top of that and it, it, the combination for me is just chef's kiss, it's absolutely lovely so the gameplay is really really good, it's really high up there uh, but for the graphics for me are like a you know, a kind of a revelation I'm really enjoying them like massively
0: Almost the opposite to last week's Ghostwire Tokyo
1: yeah, well, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, it's... A uh, couple of weeks ago, yeah. Ghostwire, oh, I just... I, You know how they say, like, good art makes you... Gives you energy, and bad art makes you feel tired? Yeah. Uh, like, even the thought of playing Ghostwire, I was like, oh, yeah, I could play it. Uh, but even the thought of it made me feel tired. And that's because I just found it really boring. Might be an unfair, you know, we might we might not have gone into it enough... Might not have given it enough time or or chance, but for me, oh, yeah, I just got tired even thinking about it. Yeah,
0: yeah, but no, uh, Scarlet Nexus. I've got not got much to say. Well, anything really because I've not played it. I I bought it in a sale a few months back. Still not played it. <laughs> Probably should. It is, yeah, I bought it around the time I was still deeply into the pinball, I'm still playing pinball on a regular basis but my vision issues made I've not been playing as much so I'm also limiting what sort of games I can play, it looks bright and colourful and that's enough to stop me playing at the moment but I've definitely you, you piqued my interest that's for sure
1: Well it's good, it's like I played Neo Automata and I just didn't really find it very good, I, I never really clicked with how it yeah, it really was the fighting. It really was the combat. I just never really clicked with it. Yeah. Whereas this this really... It, and I mentioned Neo Automata because it has a similar kind of ARPG feel and anime feel and the the action is, is similar as well. But what it has that really makes it stand out for me is you have all of your regular attacks but then they're all based around your psychic powers so they're just like, you know, slightly projectile. But you also have telekinesis and you can just, like, you're there hitting them and then you just decide to throw a great big, you know, piano at them from off screen and you can yes. use that in a combo. And you're, like, whacking them from behind and knocking them towards you and stunning them and then as they're stunned, you are punch them in the face and then you you do another thing and then it's got, like, almost QTE-style things where if you've knocked the guard bar off them so not all their health but you knocked all their guard bar away you can do like special attacks and you can combo those and it is really satisfying to me it works really
0: well and more games that have telekinesis and mind control in them please yeah
1: and all of your team have psychic powers and they're all different so there's like pyrokinesis so you can burn stuff and you can borrow your teammates powers like mid flight like, and cancel it whenever you want so you can cancel you can you can activate it and then cancel out of it after you've done a move it's very very good oh
0: yeah no I'm, I'm definitely gonna as soon as my eyes are up to it I think I'm gonna boot this up and, um, and give it a play what happened to the old telekinesis style games there was a time around the PS1 wasn't there where they looked like they was gonna sort of blow up and then they just didn't
1: yeah which is strange because it's really easy to do with modern physics but in yeah. games, but yeah, no, it didn't really. It was like Geist and, um, yeah, a few other bits and pieces. Oh,
0: there was one I played, and like, this is where my ADHD gets because so I can't remember the title of it, like, but I absolutely rinsed it when it was on the PS1. It was like you, you, uh, was like a CIA agent type. Possibly, um, or, or some kind of agent, but you had telekinesis powers. And you could take over people's minds and stuff like that to get you through missions and stuff. And it was kind of like modern day-ish. Um, that was so good, but I can't remember what it was called because ADHD.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I can't remember either. But anyway, <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's it's good. As I said, you know, make sure you put some time when you can. Do it. Put some time aside so that you can get through the fairly crappy tutorial and then start messing around with it yourself, and uh, that's the best way to do it, I think.
0: Excellent. So, moving on. The first game I've been playing, or I'm going to talk about, is probably what's going to be the indie darling that surprises a few people and hits a few Game of the Year award lists at the end of end of uh, this year. And that is Patrick's Parabox. I remember to get the title in this week, I kept forgetting to say the titles of games last week, Uh, (laughs) is Patrick's Power Box, which is basically a soccer band style game where you move boxes into spaces to complete levels. We've all seen these sort of games before. Denky Blocks does it. There's Soccer Band recently come out. Um, You know, loads of them. And this is just, it does pretty much that kind of thing. But what's really good is it kind of, has that theme, and it's, a, it's an aesthetic I absolutely love, where you've got a main level, but within that level, you've got mini levels and other mini levels that you can go in and out of to help complete the main level, and it works really, really well, and the onboarding of it is really good in terms of, right, you're this character who's just a square. Move this square into this space. That's the first level. And then it, it gradually makes it more complicated then it introduces the mechanics of like shrinking down or having to push a box into a shrunk down space to then move that box that you shrunk into to into position to go back into that shrunk box to move the original box back out of it into the square that you need it to go to and stuff like that. And it just gets more and more and more complicated as you go. But at no point does it do you kind of hit a point where you're going, Well, huh? I don't get this because it's just the way it takes you into it is brilliant. It's got an elegance about it that a lot of logic puzzle games just don't have. A lot of puzzle games or these sort of puzzle games, logic-based ones, seem to do this thing of trying to make you think you're stupid. Not here at all. This goes, look, we want you to play and enjoy our game. We want you to understand how you play it and then we're gonna just get it more and more and you will feel good about yourself as you play you will get stuck you will get stuck at points because you've got to think you've got to kind of stop think and go but what you kind of do is in a logic puzzle like this you kind of look at right what's the end goal and then work backwards and it really rewards you for just stopping of thinking before acting unlimited those, resets, whatever it doesn't punish you for not being able to do it in certain times or anything like that it's just you your brain and the, the layout in front of you and I'm absolutely in love with this game, absolutely in love with it I, I recommend anyone who's into any kind of puzzle games get on this instantly
1: yeah, sounds good I quite like those to a degree. Uh, What was that one that came out on the 3DS? uh, Where you had to move the blocks around?
0: Uh, There's pull blocks. Oh, there's dinky blocks, which has been around since the GBA days. Um, There's uh, the pull box, full box, push blocks, or push mode, or whatever it was known as. other recent ones, for example, you've got... Oh, old ones, really. Do you remember Chip's Challenge? That's a soccer band game.
1: Right, yeah, yeah.
0: Soccer band is a soccer bag game. Of course it is, if you remember that. Um, Funny, that. Ca- the puzzle levels in Catherine are soccer band games, essentially. yeah. <laughs> And then more modern ones. You have got Steven's Sausage Roll, that was really popular. Monsters Expedition, that's good. So it's got, you know, there's loads of those games out there. People have probably played this sort of game without realising. But honestly, Patrick's Power Box is absolutely superb, and is for me probably the most catchy title since uh, Wilbert's Warehouse as well in this genre.
1: So it's very uh, sort of spectrum era. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, if this was on the Spectrum on the Commodore, you'd, you'd go, yeah, that sounds about right. But it, oh, it looks lovely. It's just, too, it's just... It does that thing that Thomas Was Alone does and the I felt Don't Die, Mr. Robot did as well. It has visuals that work for the game. They're not spectacular. They just do what they've got to do for the game. And it allows you to concentrate on the mechanics. Or, you know, Thomas Was Alone's case. You had a wonderful story behind it. But you wasn't sort of like... Try to fight your way through the visuals the visuals complement the type of game it is and just shows you don't need to go overboard with flashy visuals to get nigh on perfection in, in, in terms of what you're trying to do with your puzzle game
1: well i will probably check that out because i do like i'm absolutely rubbish at them but i do like them and i don't mind with that kind of game because if they've got like 50 levels and i manage to do 20 of them and this is me boasting because it's probably it's probably actually 10. <laughs> but if I can do like 20 of them, then I'm happy. I'm like, yeah, okay, I did that. That's fine. I'm happy with that. That's enough. I've got my 10 hours worth of fun or five hours or whatever it was. And I hit my skill level and I stopped. And yeah, it, you know, it's just like that. And I think it's because, you know, you kind of, like, you watch something like Countdown, going back to, you know, talking about those people on Channel 4 again. And it's like, oh, yeah, you, a lot of it is you have to put words together. And it's like, well, you know, English is my background. You know, I have a, hopefully, you know, large vocabulary and I'm, I'm quite articulate, but I'm rubbish at Countdown because, yes. because it's more of a mathematical skill being able to rearrange... Even though they're letters, it's more of a mathematical skill to be able to rearrange them into a structure. And it, I think it's pulling on the same sort of strings... When you're playing a lot of puzzle games, it's it's that kind of level of abstract thought and you know geographical positioning and mathematics that I, my brain just doesn't doesn't cope with yeah. very well at all. And I'm quite good at arithmetic, but any any sort of spatial mathematics, nope nope so i'm quite happy to go yeah and no, i've reached my very very low bar yeah. <laughs> and now i'm out
0: so yeah i mean so i mean how are you with things like sudoku and you know uh pit cross puzzles and stuff like that do you struggle terrible. with those terrible uh, yeah which will be because you probably see things differently to other people so i'm really good with um like sudoku and sliver and and stuff like that sudoku the reason you they use numbers is because numbers are the easiest shapes and symbols to understand in terms of you've got to have one to nine in any direction but they can't be repeated or in the same box you could do that with letters but people can't recognize a b c d e f g h i in the same way they do the different numbers um, and you could do it with shapes but again people don't recognize the differences between those shapes as instantly and easy as numbers it's you know it's the reason why sliver works so well it's you know you look at the numbers on the grid and the lines have got to go around it and a lot, some people just can't recognize that and as you say when you go to the countdown example like some people could do it with letters Some people could see letters so, so well, rearrange them and then see what it's meant to be, but can't do numbers. And it's the same with a lot of logic puzzle games. Some people could be really, really, really good with the likes of Tetris with action puzzle games, but can't do logic. Now, I'm one of those weirdos who could actually do the slow-paced logic puzzle games and the fast action puzzle games. But give me a puzzle platformer, you've lost me
1: yeah no yeah no I get that it's really it's fascinating it's fascinating you know and it does it does explain why a lot of people trash games that they can't do very well rather than just you know say oh that's not for me because you know yeah they just think that it's rubbish but it isn't it's just their brain doesn't work in the same way
0: and the other thing I know what's going to be the argument with this to this game from some quarters it's £15.5 on Steam you can't get it on no, I'm thinking of a different game. I don't think you can get it on Switch. It's only on Steam. And people are going, oh, 15 quid for a simple puzzle game with rubbish graphics. It's, I I totally add my value out of this game. Totally. Uh, and there's a demo available as well. So, you, you know, give it give that a go. But I, th- I think developer uh, Patrick Traynor has just nailed the price with how long the game is what it actually offers i think you know well worth the 15 quid you can get it for now uh, but if you really must wait for a sale then so be it but try to demo at least it is superb
1: yeah it's another one for the steam deck list for me it's, why do we keep uh, mentioning yeah.
0: in the steam deck i don't know i don't know i know yeah
1: it's oh, almost it as if it was quite an important release Not or all. something i know yeah.
0: anyway
1: yeah. what's next from you So next from me is another one that I loaded up, played for five minutes, and then threw away for a very specific reason. And this time it's uh, Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection. And so, yeah, you'll remember it's almost exactly a year since I bought it. And I bought it on Switch. And actually, funnily enough, I bought it on Switch because I thought it was Switch exclusive, but it was actually on PC as well, and I didn't know this. (laughs) Hence owning the Switch copy. But once I bought it, I was like, "I'm too cheap to pay for it again." So <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, I'm just going to rather, I'm going to not play it rather than play it to pay for it twice," because that's what I'm like. I'm very stubborn. Um, but yeah, so the the main reason that I didn't play it very much is because on the Switch Lite that I had at the time, it didn't work very well at all with the pad. Like it was quite uncomfortable, and. Yeah, not, not great. And of course, because it's a Switch Lite, it didn't have a dock, so I couldn't play it on big screen. Anyway, fast forward a year, Switch Lite is now in the possession of my lovely wife. I've got an OLED Switch. I've got one of those separate Joy Cons that has the better Joypad. And oh, yes. If yes. I want, yep. And I could also connect it to a Tally if I want. I haven't needed to, I have actually completed it, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, but it's such a funny game. It's such an odd game. It's it's almost as postmodern as a Kojima game because <laughs> what it does is it's the original creator back on it, and he's refined what he was trying to do right back way back in nineteen eighty. You want to say eighty four with the first game, which is completely troll the player and just you know not have anything in it that resembles being fair so you know enemies spawn from beneath you from above you from all around you from off screen they can hit you from off screen the terrain changes you can't change the angle of your jump your weaponry is never good enough it often it doesn't in this game but you know in the previous games you had to play it through twice to actually complete it you know things that (laughs) <laughs> like objects in the environment that act in one way in one run act differently in another. It's just deliberately there to absolutely take the piss out of you. Yeah. And the thing is that once you embrace that concept and you realise that it's basically like Rick Dangerous, if you remember that on the Amiga. I do, yes. Platforms, yeah, which is like, there's no way I could have seen that coming, i.e. it's completely unfair. Then once you embrace that and you go, okay, well, I'll have to learn it and do an almost perfect run to get through it, then you go, okay, I understand what the game is now. I can enjoy it on its own terms and I don't have to worry about infinitely continuing. <laughs> um, and a, a really good way of putting that in, in context if you want to decide whether it's the game for you is have a look at a speed run because a speed run, they'll do it in half an hour. They won't even get hit Unless, it, you know, they do a damage boost that's deliberately getting hit. Uh, and they'll just run through it absolutely perfectly because you need to map through a run like almost, you know, to to perfection to be able to just do the level without having to continue over and over and go back to, to start points. So it's got that built in. So it knows exactly what it's doing. if you go into it thinking, yeah, I'm just going to die constantly and... I don't. I'm not gonna get all egotistical about doing it right in inverted commas and not dying. Then it's a great, a great lot of fun because because then you start laughing at the ridiculous things it does to kill you. And uh, yeah, I've completed it. It's really, really great. It's really cheap now as well. Most places. So if you've been if you've been sleeping on it, go into it with the mindset of it's gonna troll me and I don't care.
0: Yeah, see, that's that's not for me. That one. I've I've played the original. I don't I've not played Resurrection. I had my feel of it, and I kind of appreciated it, but not enough to really want to put time into it. Yeah, because I will get very angry with myself. <laughs> and yeah, I, 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 it's, it's the having to remember stuff. You kind of have to learn the game, and that's what puts me off. That um, I can't pick it up and go back three, four weeks later, having not touched it and just play it, you kind of have to, you've almost got to be training yourself to get the run for it. And that's, yeah. I haven't got the patience for that personally.
1: No, 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 absolutely get it. And yeah, even, even if you embrace the troll behavior, it can be too much sometimes. Like, there's um, Red Arama, who's been in all the games. He's that little demon, devil-y thing that flies yeah. around irritating you and can kill you in one hit. Well, everything can kill you in we one call hit, We called it for around there. <laughs> ah, yeah, bang on. <laughs> but um, in this game, right, you get, I get to this first bit, very first stage, there's Arama, I'm like, ah, And, like, start chucking, chucking my uh, weaponry at him. And they all miss, because he's really good at dodging. You know, he's, like, the system reads your controls so make sure it can dodge but I'm like okay I've got this I've got this so I'm like okay did sort of made sure that I was like doing the right level of jump in getting close enough to him and then like let go of volley and one of the volley pushed like two of the volley pushed him towards one space and my my uh what they called lance my lance hit him Although it didn't because he was invincible and it's like oh man so not only does he make it so that it can still kill you and he can evade almost anything even if you do manage to get a hit on him you don't actually get a hit on him so anyway got past that bit which was like oh what a troll got past that got down the slope there's this like log that crosses the water and (laughs) <laughs> it's that's one of the most ultimate trolls as well so this log bobs up from underwater and floats and it it floats away from you first instead then towards you which is normal game logic yep. So that's a troll and it then when it floats back it stops in the middle and then floats away from you again <laughs> and it's not till the next round that it floats all the way back to you so it's like a sentient log that tries to kill you. Yep. And while I'm waiting for this thing to go through its routine, Arama comes back and fireballs me to death. And I'm like, I just shouted out. I was sitting on the sofa like watching telly. I was playing the game. I was like, Arama, you toilet! And, like, we put full volume because he... Oh, man. It's so funny. It's not funny if you get wound up by stuff no. like that. But I, no. it was... Yeah, it A was
0: sentient fun. log that tries to kill you somewhere... The director of the film, Rubber, is going, there's my next idea. <laughs>
1: yeah, I enjoyed that film. It yeah, good.
0: it was my schlock. Yeah. Badly yeah. acted, everything, but <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm okay with a game that trolls you as well. A game that is doing it on purpose. I don't like games where they stick a troll moment in out of nowhere. You've got, uh, the player's got to be in on it. To a degree. Uh, yeah. To be honest, Ghosts and... The uh, thingy does that. Oh, I've t- I always get that mixed up. I said, "Rod, It's Ghosts and Goblins? Ghosts and Ghouls? Yeah.
1: Ghosts and Goblins. Ghosts yeah.
0: and Goblins. I just get it. Like, uh...
1: Yeah. Ghouls and Ghosts are some of the sequels. Yeah,
0: yeah that's it. Um, it's a mixture of G words.
1: It is confusing. Yeah.
0: The G game. But it's, it. you're in on it. You know what it's going to do. So when those moments do happen and they do subvert your expectations... You can chuckle, but you, you get some games where it's like oh, it's dead serious, dead serious, dead serious. Everything's logical, and then for no reason it trolls you. You just go, well, "Why'd you do that?" I, that that's not fun. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you say not for me, but again, I can appreciate the love for it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I can. Although uh, I don't know how much it sold. I hope it sold well, but I, I think the market for it is, is is quite limited. Yeah, you know. So, but fingers crossed for them anyway.
0: Yeah. Maybe do next time you do one, they could do one stick Hideo Kojima's name on it as well, and it'll sell Gambusters.
1: Yeah. Do you know they could. And they could do that. They could get it, his input. And yeah. it
0: wouldn't matter about the quality of the game then, it'd still sell.
1: Yeah, although he hasn't made a bad game. Shoot yes, me. Has. You know. Well, go well, on. Who, then. Wait, Which wait. One?
0: What Hideo Kojima hasn't made a bad game? Yeah. Yes, he has. Metal Gear Solid.
1: Metal Gear Solid is a bad game. Yes why is it a bad game
0: because i didn't like it <laughs> no he hasn't
1: he you trolling me now
0: i know um yeah i just don't like metal gear solid <laughs> but i appreciate it i appreciate it i'm just not very good at it i just didn't get the hype and yeah although i do appreciate death stranded that's that's genius for many of the same reasons that uh, ghost and goblins is genius yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is, and that's it. That's why I made the connection because yeah. I was like, yeah, no, it's really got that thing of you have to understand the meta story that they're telling you, yeah, to really enjoy it properly. So yeah.
0: Yeah. because I mean, Kojima, of course, he made basically uh, Herbie's the game or whatever they're called yeah. these days. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what they've called themselves, Rivet or whatever they're called, or Everest or, or I can't remember what they've made themselves. So yeah, basically Delivery Man the game in a post-apocalyptic world, because, of course, yeah. of course, why not? I know, I know. So, but, yeah, talking of post-apocalyptic world, oh, yes, I made a segue, and it's a good one. Sweet. Come on. <laughs> I've been playing a game called Dead Man's Diary, um, which is a, uh, a post-apocalyptic first-person FPS stroke puzzle game that's yeah it's set in like this fantasy like oh not fantasy but fake fictitious that's the word I'm thinking of isn't it uh post-apocalyptic wells. it's not set anywhere that's supposedly real or that we know of uh basically you go through you survive uh 15 years or so after this uh like big post-apocalyptic event or apocalyptic event rather you leave your shelter you know there's always a shelter you leave And then you've got to just go out there, survive, work out kind of what's been going on in the story, solve puzzles as you go, and stuff like that. Survival elements. Someone will get this right one day. If I'm trying to survive, I do not need to drink water and eat food every 15 bloody minutes. Do not need to do that to survive. Get these right. Make food and water are scarce in these games okay i'm gonna just go on a bit of a rant make them scarce right so make it so if you find a bottle of water that bottle of water has to last you for a week in game because you don't know when you'll next find some clean water if you find food it's got to last you a long period of time not Oh, look, you've eaten some food, your counter's going down, and you've got 15 minutes to eat more food. No, I don't want to do that. That's not that's not survival. Make the scarcity of the food the survival part. And if you start getting weak, just do things like you slow down slightly or you can't carry as much, or you maybe you don't think straight, you don't see properly, the worse you get. Not just, oh, you haven't had water for five minutes, you're dead now. Just... Let's 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 improve these bits. I'm bored of them. Survival is not done well. Um either improve it or take it out of your game. That's all I'm gonna say on that side. Story in this game is alright. Been there, I've done it. And the reason I'm going, it's alright, been there, done it, I'll come to it in a minute. The puzzles, yeah, serviceable on the whole really atmospheric great visuals um it, it, we you know i we've got to a point now where it's very hard to call out a game like this for its visuals because i think whether they're bringing in assets or whether they're building them just whatever we've got now to build worlds is just so impressive that i don't think there's any excuses anymore and this does a really good job of, of setting a really good atmosphere and it's one of the reasons i think i pushed through the bits i didn't like in this game crafted Uh, it's it's serviceable again the crafting i don't i'd rather not personally but i get why it's in there but mixed with survival uh yeah whatever the problem is i'm kind of done on these post-apocalyptic survival things for two reasons one we got Spoilt with Fallout 3 and Fallout Vegas, Four and 76 with Rubbish. I think Chernobylite and Metro done really good um, worlds for these. Chernobylite especially. I, I saw its praises last year. thought it was really, really, really good. Um, it's the best modern example of post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic done right. And to be honest, like most people now, especially now they've gone, yeah, we won't do the NFT crap. But I'm really looking forward to Stalker 2. And it's going to have to be something special to be a game that makes me go, yeah, but it's not Stalker 2. Uh, I'd rather play Stalker 2. And this doesn't do it. it. It does nothing wrong, but it's just... Can you have a by the Numbers post-apocalyptic game? If you can. Clearly. This, clearly this is, you can. <laughs> this is kind of it. Um, it's not bad. It's not good. I'd probably be a bit more enthusiastic if it wasn't for crappy survival mechanics. It's the reason for me, Fallout 3... Again, I loved the earlier Fallouts 1 and 2, like the top-down isometric ones. I thought they were absolutely wonderful. But it's the reason Fallout 3 and New Vegas, I think, worked so well. Because it was a survival game in many ways. But without the survival mechanics, it didn't go, Ah, look, this is how we're going to make it a survival game. You actually you was out in the world and there was like radiation was the main issue you might have to if you got radiation poisoning find a way to stave off the radiation poison that's fine that's an immediate threat so I get that you know every passing minute could be a danger but you wasn't also walking along going I'm hungry now a lot of survival games feel like they're designed by a 15 year old teenager who's just had their breakfast and have gone I'm hungry again because that's what it's like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, I, honestly, the the first game, survival game, I see in the next couple of years that comes out and has proper survival mechanics, that those that just go down the trope of you've eaten, you've now got ten minutes before you need to eat again, I'll give game it a year to. two, and I'll I'll, I'll yeah. bring scoring back. I'll give it ten out of ten and promote it to the hilt. But yeah, no, it's a it's a what I would call this is an a, a, an average game that he's pushed on by some really beautiful visuals but let down by some poor mechanics
1: yeah no fair enough i mean i played um one that was a little bit survival i've just thought of years ago called Core the fireflies which is like a free yeah you know it yeah yeah yeah. a free mod a free mod for the using the crisis engine and as long as you own crisis it's completely free and it was only about an hour and a half and uh, for me, that was the perfect length of time. And that had things like, you know, little environmental puzzles and you had to couldn't be away from heat for too long and, and things like that. And it's like, yeah, 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 that works. Yeah, yeah. but... Oof, Survival
0: hasn't just got to be eating and drinking. Yeah. Okay, like, like, like again, it's... Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild does it well that you know you have to survive in different elements, and depending on what you've got, that helps you survive in those elements. So you might have to eat, but you have to eat spicy foods that help give you boost to your your internal uh thermostat or whatever you want to call it keep you warm as you go into really cold areas and and stuff like that so that's a clever use of it get more clever uses so maybe you know have different environments in your survival world that you could eat certain things that might give you a boost in one area but make you feel sort of like um sort of like less safe with other parts and stuff like that so you might get a boost in a a radioactive area but you're you're susceptible to uh freezing to death or something you know just think about it in different ways but maybe maybe one day this isn't it um i can't really recommend the game maybe if you get it in a bundle or something down the line it could be a nice curio but that's about it unfortunately
1: yeah fair enough fair enough you gave it a go did all you could.
0: Well, I didn't eat enough and I died, so, you know.
1: Well, you did as little as you could
0: then. <laughs> I did, yeah.
1: Any more from you? Nope, that's it for me.
0: Excellent, because I'm about to talk about my game of the week. We should get a little jingle for that. The game of the week. The game of the week. <laughs> uh, because <laughs> I've got this now on Steam and Switch and... Oh, my God. It's wonderful. And the game is called Princess Farmer. I, I'm i just going to wax lyrical about it for a couple of minutes. Sorry, Stu. Go for it. So, basically, you play, like, if you don't like, um, what's that thing called where people uh, Furries. If you don't like furries, you're probably not going to like this for a start. But, basically, you add to the full fives, blah, blah, blah. Bunnies, essentially you play one that's called uh, like, I can't remember what her name is. But anyway, you play a buddy farmer who finds a magical lipstick and gets told she's now the princess farmer. Uh, You've got to do all these different tasks and things like that. And the overall game, it's a visual novel. You've got this really sort of like, cool story is all i'm gonna say it's a really cool story um it goes on at a really lovely pace and allows you to like progress and play all the puzzles which is what you want and basically the puzzle is you get a grid it's a match style puzzles that are in it and in the grid are different fruits and vegetables and the idea is you sort of like you pull them out the ground you put them back into the ground uh, and you try and basically match them up in, in match free ways And it's just—it's really cool puzzle mechanics. I really, really like it. The story works really well. It's got a a kind of almost an '80s style to it. So, like, you each each main chapter of the story is done in a video cassette. So you take out the video cassette, you choose your way, it gets put into TV. It's like shown on this like this old crt style thing before they going into like the actual the game graphics really lovely presentation i think the visuals are lovely just really nice pixel art lots of purple colors everywhere and pink and stuff like that and it's just it's really good they've tried to make some of the characters look a bit sexy don't get that but hey whatever why not Buddy people could be sexy if they want but it's not over the top where you feel awkward playing it but yeah, there's like loads, like, there's sort of like the ghost places are there as well. So you've kind of got um, like there's mysteries there, there's like sort of like puzzles you've got to like work out and stuff like that in the story. But it's sort of like each of the puzzles that you do, like each of the grids you do, can have different targets to it. So one might be finish it at a certain time, one might be finish it in certain moves or match certain types of stuff or get a high score. Those kind of things, the grids are different sizes. So you might have a grid that's like four by six. You might have a grid that's like six by six and so on and so forth. I think the biggest one I've had is a seven by five or seven by six, I think. Uh, But it works really, really well. What I really like, and I'm going to come to a couple of bits that they need to improve on in a minute. But what I really, really like about it is... You could play it as you want. So there's free gameplay mode in the main story. There's a balance mode where it concentrates on working out. You could take your time a bit, but also try and work really fast. There's a speed mode where it will give you uh, more common vegetables that you've got to match. So you've got the chance of making more combos really quickly. And there's a like almost a puzzle mode where the timer is almost taken out of it. It doesn't matter but you kind of really you get scored well based on how many moves you do things in and stuff like that so it gives you three different ways to play within the story doesn't affect the story but just affects the way you play and there's no punishment for it it's just honestly it's done for such a way that it's for you to enjoy how you want and i I just honestly i i really really i'm in love with this game Problem is I've played it initially on the Switch and I have to play it zoomed in on the Switch because the grid is so small on the Switch, and you kind of got like the uh, the vegetables are like you've got like beetroots and potatoes and parsnips or whatever and all different things like that. And whilst they are different shapes and slightly different colours, it's not enough variation for me to be able to see, especially when they're on like a like a brownish like background because they're in the dirt. So I do struggle to see what's what. And there are accessibility options, but it doesn't have one that, that, again, every puzzle game should have a bejeweled option where I could get however many different fruits of that you've got in just simple shapes and colors. Um, That's all I need. Do that. Now, to credit the developers, I mentioned this to them. They're going to look into it. Um, so that's really good of them. They go look at can it be reskinned in an accessibility menu. So again, it's why I love indie developers. I reached out; they've said it's something they will look into because they think it should be done. Playing it on the big screen on the PC, not as much of an issue. But on the Switch, I have to zoom in, uh, which means I miss certain elements from the side, and, and I have to zoom back out again. But honestly, overall. I I can forgive I'm forgiving what it's missing accessibility wise because it has a good amount of options in there, including allow to skip dialogue as an option, which I think is really good. You can turn it on and off, so you can't accidentally do it for someone who wants their aid. But yeah, if I wanted to, I could just skip dialogue as an accessibility option, uh, which I think is really good. But yeah i just honestly i absolutely adore this game and it's also got a quick play mode so if you just want to do the puzzles you can just do the puzzles and it allows you to choose a number of boards from within the game to do co-op modes in there as well just yeah really I, I, i'm really taken by this game um, came out right at the end of march and i've been putting a lot of time into it but anyway that's enough of me banging on i went on probably way too long on a monologue there
1: so It's that time again. I'll shut up. And from me, I will also shut up. Have a great rest of the week. Follow us on all the socials as usual. Join our Discord if you feel like chatting. And other than that, stay safe and stay sane.